Bam 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 everybody it's go help yourself the comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less i'm lisa linky that's misty stinnett Whoa. we are here for you in the fall and let me tell you the nights are getting cooler you might sleep with a little window open for that fresh air pumpkin spice everything is Ugh. everywhere Marf. and i'm gonna go ahead and say have we got an episode for you but if you're joining us for the first time let me give you a little quick heads up on what the fuck is going on. What's happening? we cuss. Two, we're comedy. Three, this (laughs) is a podcast where each week we read and review a popular self-help book. um, And we tell tell you all about it. What we liked, what we we didn't like. Do we Um, love it? Tips, heads up, I'm going to hate it. Misty's going to find something great about it. Yeah. And then um, we give you the ability to, if you like it, you can go out and buy it. Because we can't cover everything in a one-hour episode. That's right. And if you hate it, you're welcome. We've saved you time and Sense. And sense. Abilities. Abilities. Um, And uh, you can just gain all of the cool tips and tricks and uh, self-help, life-altering advice that you've been craving without wasting time or money on the book if you're not interested. And you can kind of go on about your busy life. And or get all these things that people in your life have been begging shoving you to down your throat. Change your behavior. <laughs> it's happening. So that's kind of it. And we've been doing yeah. it. Um, we're coming up on a year, and it's very exciting. It's very exciting. Um, but uh, today is going to be super super cool because what's the book you're presenting? Oh my God! One of the most terrifying and compelling books that I've read to date: The Shining, The Shining, and The Handmaid's Tale. And it's a three-parter. An inconvenient truth? (laughs) It's a four-parter. Why We Sleep, Unlocking the Power of Sleep and Dreams by Matthew Walker, Ph.D. Lisa, this is a New York Times bestseller and also the number one bestseller in the anatomy category on Amazon. Anatomy. Anatomy. So very quickly, the hardcover is $19.54. The paperback is anywhere from $4.40 on eBay to $14.40 new on Barnes & Noble. Overpaid. The Kindle's $12.99. The audiobook is fifteen eighty seven or one credit, which I think is like fifteen ninety nine, <laughs> something Who like reads that. It? Um, oh, is it the author? The audiobook is read by this man, Steve West, and he is British, and his voice is made of velvet. Go west, young man. It's super, super soothing. Why do we sleep? Why do we sleep? I'm Steve West. And I'm like, yes, you are. (laughs) Yes, you are. Um, So about the author, this is from Wikipedia. Matthew Paul Walker is an English scientist and professor of neuroscience and psychology at the University of California, Berkeley. Walker was born in Liverpool, England. He graduated with a degree in neuroscience from the University of Nottingham in 1996. Nottingham Hill. And received a PhD in neurophysiology from Newcastle University in 1999. The brain, right? Right, crikey, the brain. Well, crikey, it's a big, that's a big alligator. What do you want to do tonight? Wait, what do you want to do tonight, brain? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. Love it. Animaniacs, anybody? Sure. Okay, great. It's called Pinky in the Brain. Yeah, I've heard of it. Um, His research focuses on the impact of sleep on human health and disease. Previously, uh, Matthew Walker was a professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School. Harvard. He he is... Harvard. He is also the founder and director of the Center for Human Sleep Science. He has received numerous funding awards from the National Science Foundation and the National Institutes of Health and is a Kavli Fellow of the National Academy of Sciences. So he's stupid. So dumb. He has published more than 100 scientific research studies <sighs> and has been featured on numerous television and radio outlets, including okay. 60 Minutes, yep. Amanpour and Company, yep. National Geographic, mm-hmm. Nova Science Now, <laughs> The Joe Rogan Experience, yeah. NPR, The Drive with Peter Adia. <laughs> And the BBC. Ooh. Right? Yeah. So super qualified. He's, he's the head of like the science for human sleep, but like who's the head of the science for monkey sleep? That's what I want. He know. actually has re- research sleep in monkeys. Go so fuck yourself. That's right. Go fuck yourself. All right. So tell me. So first impressions. 
It's navy. The cover is navy blue with a moon and stars on it. It's very appealing. The book is 368 pages. Mm -hmm. The audiobook is 13 hours and 52 minutes. Is it trying to put you to sleep? It's a big end. Actually, in the intro, he's like, if any of you feel the urge to fall asleep while listening to this audiobook, I encourage it. (laughs) Also, he's got a ton of humor throughout the book, which I was not expecting. Because he's trying to keep you awake. He's like really like charming and British and smart and he's only 46 I don't know if he's single okay so uh so okay there's so much incredible information in this book every single thing is backed up with a study why are you looking at me like that I'm just blown away by your excitement (laughs) about sleep wide eyes on and she's looking a little challenging well no I'm not challenged I think I'm worried about how we're gonna get through this right so the reason I'm telling you this is there's so many incredible facts I'll wait. I will wait. <sighs> Moving on. So there are so many incredible facts in this book, all backed up by other people's studies, his studies, statistics, everything. We, I, If I were to dive in too deep on any of them, this could be like an eight-part episode. Please, please it's don't. a 14-part audiobook. Please don't. I'm not going to. Great. So I'm going to give you some of the most broad resonant facts from this book but Ooh. just know that if you like what you're hearing you will enjoy the audiobook tenfold it's incredible what about the book book it, no it's trash okay. trash 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 it's simply trash <laughs> trash trash okay so humans in today's environment need eight hours of sleep to function optimally that's what i get you are truly the exception to the rule lisa yep yeah but you seem just so, like, together, thank which is you. probably why. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so there are <laughs> – Jesus, my God. There are two – someone come pick me up. There are two – I eight hours. Okay, if that's what sleep does to us, I don't want sleep. Okay, <laughs> there are two general types of sleep, NREM mm-hmm. sleep and REM sleep. NREM and REM REM. That's right. So REM stands for rapid eye, eye movement. movement. And NREM stands for non-rapid eye, eye movement. movement. <laughs> Super creative. So um, NREM sleep occurs earlier in the sleep phase, mm-hmm. which is to say earlier in the evening when mm-hmm. you're asleep. Mm-hmm. And REM is concentrated later in the night. So NREM um, does this very cool thing where all of your, like, billions of your neurons basically sync up and fire at the same time, which is not something that normally happens, especially in disparate regions of the brain. Is it like a reset? Is it like a reset I will I will tell you exactly <laughs> what these phases of sleep do. Um, so NREM is super slow. Like, when we scan your brain while you're sleeping, it's this very slow brainwave function. Whoa, and REM whoa, sleep, whoa. just like that, and REM sleep is very fast. Thank you. I was wondering. I wish everyone could have seen Lisa's face. The delight in her eyes. Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. So much sorting happening lately. Okay. Um, When you're in REM sleep and you're hooked up to uh, brain monitoring Mm -hmm. apparatus, thank you, Mm -hmm. your brain actually looks like it's awake. It's very similar to being awake, which was surprising. Um, So NREM is responsible for pruning memories and transferring short-term memory to long-term memory. The stuff we need to keep. Um, Yes, gaining muscle memory, growth hormone secretion, and parasympathetic nervous system activation. Yeah. So it's really, this is sort of like the pruning phase. We're taking everything we've learned that day or recently and we're pruning it, right? Right. So remembering that I accidentally brushed into the doorway is not something I need to remember. Remembering where I parked my car is something I need to remember. Mm, Yes, mate. Yes, Great. You may want to also remember how you ran into the door so that you don't do it again. But yes. Oh, yeah. I just mean like I glanced. You know what I mean? Like something that I don't need to remember. Sure. Right. Sure. Because we always have this bandwidth issue, right? Right. Like our brains are sort of like a hard drive and we've got, say, 500 gigabytes. So you want to get rid of things you don't need or like prone. Remembering that I crossed my legs while I sat on the couch, I don't need to remember. Sure. But remembering where I parked my car, I do need to remember. Right. 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 Absolutely. And your brain is constantly filtering like what's relevant? What do I need to know? What don't I? It's such 
such a fascinating it, Oh, my God. It's You will love this book. Um, so that's what NREM does. It, it, in a very broad sense, prunes things you don't need. Prunes and stores. And then REM is responsible for forming new neural connections, problem-solving, dreaming, emotional responses to painful memories. Actually, REM sleep can help take the, um, the painful emotions out of a memory, which is so, why things feel better after a night's sleep. REM is kind of where we're processing and, like, figuring out what what happened and like how we feel about it? Yes, that's part of it. It's also helping uh it's also responsible for reading other people's facial emotions mm. and neonatal synaptogenesis. Okay. Can I tell you about yeah. the dream I had last night? Yes. I dreamt that mm. I was so pregnant that the face of my child, the face of the fetus was projecting and profile. I cannot. No, I can't. And I was, it was like, like a very Alfred Hitchcock. Legitimately the nose was sticking out of my stomach and the eyes, I could see the eyes every time the child would blink. And I was like, at the hospital, I was like, I think it's time to deliver. And they were like, you know, the baby doesn't come out until the baby comes out when it wants to come out. And I was like, I think it's time. I can see the face of my this baby through terrifying. my skin. It wasn't scary through my at all. Skin. It wasn't scary. It was just kind of like, is it time? And they were like, you know, the baby will know when the Give baby wants to come out. Give it two or three more months. And I was like, when I look down, I see a nose sticking I out can't. of my stomach. I can't. And I was like, are you sure I'm pregnant? Because I just feel like I need to take a huge shit. <laughs> that is, that's how I would interpret that dream as well. Mm-hmm. That was my dream. Just wait till it's so big, it just walks right out of you. Yeah, um, yeah so NREM basically prunes and then REM stores. Yes. So this is really important to note. So he talks a lot about teenagers in the book and circadian mm. rhythms, which we'll touch on. Why, but basi- oh, that's why all these high schools want to start later because they need their sleep. Yes, and it's horrifying what early start times are doing to teenagers in schools because when we deprive them of this very vital REM sleep— and and, and no, NREM is not more or less valuable than REM. And REM is not more or less valuable than NREM. And I think a lot of times we're like, oh, we need to be in REM sleep. But it's like, no, that's both. just another. You need both. Yeah. So teenagers who aren't getting enough sleep who have. I One of my high schools started at 7.15 in the fucking morning. We had pre-high school stuff like pre-high school meetings or like clubs would meet at 7.15 for an 8 a.m. bell. Right. And so it's it's especially problematic because you're learning everything as a, a teen. So think about it. you have a whole full day of school or basketball practice, whatever that looks like. And then you go to sleep and you're pruning things you don't need. And then you're never synthesizing the things that you actually learned. Ugh. And it's it's like we are talking way lower SAT scores. We are talking like 50 percent reduction in um, uh, uh, retention, retention of information yeah. and also – 70% more car accidents among teens. So, and it's it's not just like teens' internal circadian rhythm shifts. And here's what's fascinating. I'm already going off book from my notes. Here's what's fascinating. We think that evolutionarily this happened so that adolescents stay up when they're in their teens mm-hmm. for at least an hour or two later than their parents to start to learn independence. Mm. So like the parent's circadian rhythm goes to sleep, can't stay up, that late. But basically, when we get frustrated with teenagers for staying up late. They can't help it. Yeah. So when we're like, go to bed at 10 o'clock, that's like asking us as adults to go to bed at 7. And to say, hey, you need to get up and be able to function at, at 7 in the morning is like telling us, get up at 4 in the morning and try to function. I've done it. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's it's tough. <sighs> it's it's not pleasant. Okay. Okay, okay great. So. We need REM and NREM. Yes. Both are very, very necessary. And a deprivation of either one leads to different problems. This, sure. is, this is why overnighters, if you're listening to this and you're mm-hmm. in college and you're like, I'm going to cram for a test. Yeah. You want to get a full night's sleep. It's actually not going to help you to stay up all night. And Did then you know I've never pulled an all-nighter? Really? Because my body physically revolts at some point. Uh, I start to throw up, and it says, go lay down. Oh, my God. My body like is like, at some point, it goes, nope. And I physically throw up. I pulled a few all-nighters while I was taking, during the years I was taking um, chemistry in college, because it was so tough. Um, also... The, uh, all the So that's sort of the effects in adolescence. With adults, it's so bad for you if you are a shift worker yeah. to miss these types of uh, sleep 
so regularly that the World Health Organization has deemed shift work a probable carcinogen. Yeah. Which is insane. So um, true low sleepers. So society likes to talk about how, oh, we're all sleep deprived or we've all got insomnia or we all need sleeping pills. Like that's not really true. We're suffering from sleep deprivation Mm -hmm. and the effects of that. But actual insomnia is very, very rare. Rare. Mm -hmm. Um, So true low sleepers, people who can chronically sleep less than six hours per night without impairment of function Mm -hmm. are incredibly rare. Yeah. Would they give like an estimate of the percentage of the population? At less than 1%. Of yeah. the population. And those people end up being like geniuses because they read like 18,000 more books. Right. Everyone else is disguising their sleep deprivation with caffeine and sleeping pills. Yeah. So people who are like, oh no, I just need four or five hours a night. I'm fine. Like I sleep six hours. It's good. No, you don't. You really don't. No, you're you just don't. used to. Oh no, you don't. Oh no, you don't. So insidiously, you're very bad at objectively assessing your decrease in performance under sleep deprivation. Sure. So when you're sleep defri- deprived, you think you're performing better than you really are. Yeah. Uh, it's just like with alcohol. It's like, oh no, I'm fine. I'm not drunk. When you've had two drinks, it's like you're already impaired. It's just like with math. Yeah. So sleep deprivation shows consistently bad outcomes yep. for. Everything. Yep. Nothing is reported it's to like be being beneficial drunk. from sleep deprivation. It is. It is. And there's an entire chapter on um, how driving while sleep deprived is actually worse yeah. than drunk driving. Yeah. So driving on like four hours of sleep is the same as having a blood alcohol content of 0.08, mm-hmm. which is the legal drunk limit. driving limit. The only problem is that there are these things called micro sleeps. So basically, he says, for every 30 seconds that you're listening to the audiobook, a fatality has occurred due to a drowsy driving accident. Because there are these things called microsleeps where you will just fall asleep for three or four seconds and not know or for like a minute at a time. Mm-hmm. And when you're drunk driving, you're slow to react, but at least you're reacting. Mm-hmm. And in drowsy driving, you're not – if you're asleep, even if it's – You don't, even though you you don't, don't know realize react. it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So – Sleep deprivation is associated with very severe disease. We're talking higher mortality, risk of cancer, heart disease, weight gain, rate of infection, lower immune systems, Alzheimer's, irritability, inflammation. Um, Sleep deprivation lowers performance, lower productivity, social fluidity, rational decision-making, memory recall, emotional control, testosterone, immune system function, and response to flu vaccine. I'm sold. I need to sleep. Yep. In the extreme, chronic sleep deprivation causes death. And cuts many, many years off of our life. So even if you think you're gaining time by sleeping less, it's compensated for with lower productivity and creativity. And that you die earlier. Yeah. So (laughs) I'm just, yeah. So I'm just going to list off some facts that I thought were really fascinating. And we'll just go through the book like that because there are 16 parts. Great. Routinely sleeping less than six or seven hours a night demolishes your immune system, more than doubling your risk of cancer. Insufficient sleep is a key lifestyle factor determining whether or not you will develop Alzheimer's disease. Inadequate sleep, even moderate. Moderate reductions for just one week disrupts blood sugar levels so profoundly that you would be classified as pre-diabetic. Sleep disruption further contributes to all major psychiatric conditions, including depression, anxiety, and suicidality. Too little sleep swells concentrations of a hormone that makes you feel hungry while suppressing a companion hormone that otherwise signals food satisfaction. Despite being full, you still want to eat more. So I think we've all been there when we're so fucking exhausted. And Your it's body like, is just trying to st- – yeah. It's yeah, trying it's getting to confusing help itself, signals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the shorter you sleep, the shorter your lifespan. Two processes determine when we feel sleepy. There's a 24-hour circadian rhythm. It's about 24 hours. It's roughly that. It's not mm-hmm. Some people it's 26. Some people it's 23. Um, where the body is naturally awake for 12 to 16 hours. And a chemical called adenosine that slowly builds up starting from the moment we wake and continues to build until it makes us feel very sleepy at night. Okay, so really quickly, I want to touch on caffeine and adenosine. So when we sleep... When we wake up in the morning, our body starts to emit adenosine, which accumulates throughout the day and builds up what he calls a sleep pressure. Right. Right? Very simple. You're going to have more adenosine in your body at 6 p.m. than you do at noon. Right? So it starts to build up. The way caffeine works is it bonds to uh, the receptors in your brain that normally would accept adenosine Mm -hmm. and get signals from it. But caffeine bonds to those receptors instead, blocking adenosine. But adenosine is still building up building in your body. up in your system. You just can't feel it because you have caffeine. That's right. So when 
by the way, the the half-life of caffeine is five to six hours. So mm-hmm. if you have a cup in the morning, half of that caffeine is still in your system six hours later. So mm-hmm. it takes like 10 or 12 hours for your body to rid itself of the caffeine in one cup of coffee. So that's why if you're having coffee at 3 p.m., the half it's still half in your system at 9 p.m. Yeah. So anyway, if you have a cup of coffee in the morning, adenosine is really building up. When that caffeine finally wears off, you crash yeah. because suddenly, suddenly your, your brain is flooded with these receptors. All of the right? Exactly. And then you need a full night's rest for your body to get rid of the adenosine. He says adenosine in the book. I always heard it as adenosine in, in well, science. Well, it's aluminium. Uh, aluminium. Adenosine. Um, so if you are not getting a full night's rest, you're waking up with even more adenosine already in your brain and the sleep pressure, making you feel like you need more caffeine. And it's this really vicious cycle. So you can see how it's already disrupting your circadian rhythm, et yeah, cetera. Yeah. Um, so that's how caffeine works if anybody didn't know. It actually doesn't make you more awake. It keeps you from getting more tired. Yeah. Um, so – uh, and this is all pretty tough on your liver. Your liver is the one that gets rid of um, caffeine. So everyone has a different circadian rhythm. For some people, their peak of wakefulness arrives early in the day, mm-hmm. and their sleepiness uh, trow arrives early at night. These trow? are trow trow t r o u g h trough 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 trough. I did love a trow though. I love a trough trow. Uh, These are morning types, and they make up about 40% of the population. These people tend to wake around dawn and are happy to do so and function optimally at this time of day. I hate those people. I hate those people. (laughs) Other people are evening types. Those are great. The second day blackout where the person comes out and he's like, good morning. Oh, morning. I'm a morning person. Morning. And a person comes from the other side of the stage and shoots him, and then the lights go out. Thank you. That's amazing. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, So uh, so that's about 40% of the population are morning types. Other people are evening types and account for about 30% of the population. These people prefer going to bed late and waking up late the following morning. Mm -hmm. That's me. Yep. The remaining 30% of the population is somewhere between a morning and evening type. Um, And everybody's different. And what's really interesting is he talks about how, like, the modern-day work cycle or workforce is really only set up for morning or moderate people. It does not, like, you're never going to be at peak performance at a corporate nine-to-five job if if you need to sleep till noon and then your productive rush comes at 7 p.m. You probably are a freelancer. Right. And people don't value that, unfortunately. creative types. Yeah. And people don't value that, which is really unfortunate. I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of tech startups which are like, as long as you get your work done, we don't care when. And they offer nap pods and they're going to have a more productive workforce, according to this research. Um, So your type, whether you're a morning or evening person, is known as your chronotype. And it's largely determined by genetics. So if you're a night owl, it's likely that one or both of your parents is a night owl too. So don't Don't beat yourself up for not waking at dawn and being your best self if that's not your chronotype. Um, Yeah, so he talks a lot about, you know, societal expectations and how we value certain types of sleepers over other. Um, Yeah, and evening types are typically more sleep-deprived chronically, which is terrible for your health. So – You may be wondering why Mother Nature would program this variability across people as a social species. Should we didn't all want to be asleep at the same time because it makes us vulnerable, right? Mm. So we likely evolved to co-sleep as families or even whole tribes, not alone or as couples. So the benefit is that we're all only asleep for like an hour or two Mm -hmm. so that other people can keep watch, Mm -hmm. which I thought was really interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Or in different like regions, you know what I mean? Where like... You have different needs based on the environment. Yes, exactly. And by the way, all animals sleep. All of them. Mm -hmm. Everybody sleeps. Brain sleep. uh, Brain sleep. Mm -hmm. Dolphin sleep because they have two sides of the Mm -hmm. brain and they're they're not. Mm -hmm. So they shut down one. Yes. So that they can keep breathing and floating to the surface. That's exactly right. Tons of fish do that. Sharks do that. So one side of the brain is always awake to react to any threats. Um, And also when birds are flying transatlantic migrations, they do these little micro sleeps for like two or three seconds. In between flaps? Yeah, something like that. And that's how they make it. And also, when when certain types of birds are when, – when you ever see like a line of birds on a power line lined up, the birds on the outside – um, here's awake. what I, Yeah, the ones on the inside are fully asleep and get to fully rest both sides of their brain at the same time. Then a couple of birds on either side, they face either direction, mm-hmm. so every angle's They're covered. Aware. 
Half of their brain gets to sleep, but the other half is looking out. And halfway through, they will stand up, rotate around, plop back down, and let the other half of their brain go to sleep. It's fucking fascinating. It is fascinating. I, I love on, this book. I think they're on power lines because they're like, I need to power up. Thank you. That's exactly right. Um, so in terms of information processing, the the state of being awake is for reception. We experience events. We learn about the world around us. And REM sleep is for reflection, storing and strengthening yeah. the raw data you encounter throughout the day. And REM sleep is for integration, interconnecting the raw data with all past experiences. And in doing so, building an even more accurate model of how the world works, including innovative insights and problem-solving abilities. This is why sleeping on a problem, if you, seriously, if you're like, I can't solve yeah. the story problem, I don't know what to do about my mother-in-law, I don't know if I should... Sleep on it. Sleep on it. And this is also why so many of my actor friends are like, oh no, I'll read a scene and try to memorize right before I go to sleep and I wake up in the morning and I just know the lines. Yes. Also, I do think that this is why... Um, a lot of people in the world are they. I, I when I say like I don't understand how you see the world, mm -hmm. they're sleep deprived because they don't understand how they see the world. That's right. That's right. And I have a friend I never ever fight with. The only big fight we ever got in, she showed up. She was on her way to me, and we were fighting, and I couldn't understand what was happening. I just didn't. I was like, "What is happening?" And then she got there, and I took one look at her, and I went, "Oh." You like didn't you didn't you haven't slept for days. She had to take a nap immediately upon getting there, and then and then afterwards she was like, "You're right. I was an insane person. I was an insane." I, 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 we I, also I, lose the ability to accurately read people's facial expressions, which means we can interpret a smile for something menacing. Like it gets really crazy yeah. after just a couple nights of no sleep or it's five a, hours sleep or six it's hours. It's an interrogation sleep. tactic to yes. deprive sleep. And by the way, getting only. Four hours of sleep for six nights is the equivalent of losing an entire night's sleep. And you can never make it up. Why do you think there are no windows or clocks in Vegas? That's right. You start making some bad decisions. That's exactly. Oh, my God. That's exactly right. So in evolutionary terms, a biphasal sleep pattern, so in two phases, mm -hmm. is most natural for humans. Thank you. So, for example, sleeping eight hours at night, then taking a 30-minute to one-hour nap in the mid-afternoon. Thank you. Um, that's what I – that's honestly my dream. And that's it some is. days I do it. It is. And he, that's like a siesta. Yeah. So he talks about siesta-ing mm -hmm. countries. Mm -hmm. I'm sure I just fucked that up. Uh, but Greece used to have siestas. Mm -hmm. And when they got rid of it, they found immediately like a 40% increase. I think it was a 37% increase in uh, heart attack mm. rates, like literally immediately skyrocketed. And we have the data of just people started dying and people were living well into their 90s. It's the same like when we change, uh, when we do like daylight savings or yeah. go back to standard, there's immediately like an increase in car accidents and stuff like that. Yes. Mm -hmm. In locations around the world where people live the longest, naps are common. Mm -hmm. Uh, melatonin cycles change. So melatonin is mm. is the sleepy chemical that our brains emit mm. to um, help us fall asleep. Bye-bye. Melatonin cycles change as we age. So teenagers actually have later cycles, which means they don't get tired until 11 or midnight, mm -hmm. unlike most adults who tend to get tired earlier. This is why calling teenagers lazy for sleeping in late is not accurate. They're simply adhering to their natural melatonin levels, as are we all. So sleep enhances your memory, and it makes you more creative. It makes you look more attractive. Also backed up by studies. It keeps you slim and lowers food cravings. It protects you from cancer and dementia. It wards off colds and the flu. It lowers your risk of heart attacks and stroke, not to mention diabetes. It helps you feel happy, happier, less depressed, and less anxious. I mean, if I, if I were to sum up this book in a very quick paragraph, it would be a lack of sleep does every horrible thing you could possibly think of to your body. And a wealth of sleep is the best fucking thing you can do. In your lifetime. Life is abundant. L Bye. <laughs> um, sleep before learning something new refreshes our ability to initially make new memories. Mm -hmm. Sleep after learning something new enhances memory retention. Mm -hmm. This is really important. So when you're learning a new task, you have one shot at really solidifying those new routines. It's that night. It's a full night's rest. That's what you need to do. Um but here's the trick. It continues to go into your long-term memory and really solidify over the next few days. If you learn a new skill, like playing piano, you go home, you get a great night's sleep for three nights in a row. 
but then you have alcohol before you sleep one night in a row, you could lose up to 50% of what you've learned. Sorry. It's insane. Um, it's well, insane. it's insane, and yet it also makes sense, right? Because well, our brain think I've and had our body— three, you, But you think I'd have three full nights of sleep after I learned this new skill. That's great. I got it. And but, then, like, a vodka orange juice before bed. But you think about it. The brain and the body was not designed with the effects of alcohol in mind. Yeah. Or— driving while tired or do you know what I mean it's designed to be its own enclosed system (laughs) it is but still I'm thinking like okay I learned that new thing last week I'm fine it's like it's it really makes me think about if you're in training for something including an athletic event because this also goes to muscle memory Mm -hmm. an athletic event you're in grad school you're in your residency as a doctor for the first time where you You, don't sleep for 48 hours exactly you really really really, oh and he talks about that too Mm -hmm. and about why we have that residency structure and it was founded all in this one guy who had an insane cocaine addiction and wasn't sleeping. Yeah. And it's the worst thing we can do. And statistically, accurately, if you ask your doctor how much sleep did you get in the last 24 hours, with statistical accuracy, based on their response, you can predict whether or not you will die from the treatment they're going to give you mm-hmm. or how accurate their diagnosis is going to be. It's insane. Mm-hmm. And doctors are very sleep deprived. Mm-hmm. So it's really, it's all fucked up, y'all. Um, okay. More sleep is associated with improved athletic performance. One study on professional basketball player Andre Igudala, who I think is Golden State Warriors, found that several of his measurable statistics on the court improved when he got eight hours of sleep per night compared to less than eight hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, the less you sleep, the more Uh, You're likely to eat because of those mixed hormone signals. Um, In addition, your body becomes unable to manage those calories effectively, especially the concentrations of sugar in your blood. Like your cells literally shut down and won't accept any more sugar. So it makes your blood, your blood sugar levels higher. Um, In these two ways, sleeping less than seven or eight hours a night will increase your probability of gaining weight, being overweight, being obese, and significantly increase your likelihood of developing type 2 diabetes. And it happens really quickly. So we start to see those signs in about a week. Um, Sleep deprivation is also linked to infertility or subfertility. Sleep improves physical appearance. In one study, groups of individuals who were given eight hours of sleep the night before were rated as more attractive compared to another group of individuals who were only given five hours of sleep the night before. And actually, in one study, they did the same individuals. I know. I know. But it's just that, like, we pick up on all these micro expressions and whether someone's healthy and how, you know— Uh, Sleep fights against infection and sickness by deploying all manner of weaponry within your immune arsenal. Um, When you do fall ill, the immune system actively stimulates the sleep system, demanding more bed rest to help reinforce the war effort. Yep. I have a question. Yeah. At any point in time, does this person address the social reasons why some people might get more sleep and some people might get less? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And actually, he has this beautiful section on how low-income, especially uh, kids in low-income families, are very adversely affected by these early school start times because Kids whose parents have a car and aren't doing shift work can afford to drop them off at school in the morning, letting them sleep more. They don't have to catch these insane buses at dawn, mm-hmm. right? And it 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 directly corresponds with SAT scores, academic performance, memory retention, which sets them up for the rest of their life. What college are you going to get into? What are your opportunities after that college, et cetera? So he does take a lot of time saying – if you're a shift worker, this is going to be a lot harder for you. Mm-hmm. If you, you know, so mm-hmm. so he it he actually does a really beautiful job critiquing culture, right? How how nine to fives aren't set up like we sort of already talked about okay. for other people. Okay. I I found it to be pretty inclusive. Okay, great. Um, and and he does have a lot of caveats, which are like, hey, people with real insomnia are not included in this section, and people, you know, and he also talks a lot about mental illness, um, and how uh, sleep can help with the onset of mental illness but how also mental illness can affect sleep. how we sleep yeah so he it feels That's really good. inclusive to me i will say i am reacting a little bit to this notion that like sleep or lack of sleep makes you overweight or obese when that's just one factor exactly exactly and he is he is saying 
in a study of other he always he always talks about the control group right he's mm-hmm. like in a study of otherwise completely healthy individuals with no genetic predisposition mm-hmm. we were finding that when they were sleep deprived this is how many more calories they intook this is how they reported feeling that sort of thing so sure. it's there's all it's always controlled um yeah yeah, yeah. i mean yeah. i i I am just going to say I would personally want to know because if you start with a group of people who are quote unquote in quote unquote normal weight, which I don't think that exists. I think that people are allowed to have oh, body said, diversity. Oh, he said deemed healthy. He didn't say normal weight. Right. So deemed health. Well, I'm going to say that that's in a quote unquote normal weight. Okay. Do you know yeah, what I right. mean? Like a BMI that's okay. okay. And BMI is a completely flawed indicator. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So if you go by BMI, the rock is obese. Okay. So so this is where so I'm not disagreeing with with yeah. what he's saying yeah, but yeah, I also yeah. say some of this is inherently um it's inherently a little bit biased and so it's tough it's I'm, so I mean, that part's well, tough. Well, it could, again could be my presentation Sure. Of this, I encourage anyone with questions to read the chapter because what he is saying is, hey, we found that yeah. when we when we sleep deprived this group of people and then this controlled group of people who were not sleep deprived, the sleep deprived people had both of these chemicals in their system fighting each other yes. and ate 350 calories more per day than the non sleep deprived people. Yes. I yes, I'm just I'm just bringing to, to light the yeah. fact that in most of these quote, health-related studies, yeah. the subjects are already in a target that isn't body diverse. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Do you know what I'm Definitely. saying? Definitely. And he's, I, I mean, I just don't, again, 14-hour audiobook. Yeah. I, he also does the overviews of studies, yeah. but I, you know, I, I don't know what their sample was. I couldn't possibly say. No. My guess. Yeah. <laughs> Right. My guess is that they don't start with saying, "Bring me a range of people yeah. who are who are different weights and and shapes." And maybe they and did health. though. I don't know. I don't know. I think they would make a caveat about that. Because maybe, but he didn't go super in depth on any study. But he does have an entire reference guide and appendix at yeah. the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Having read books that talk about sure the the critique of these studies, mm-hmm. they are traditionally done on. Um, people who fit uh, a, a very certain, narrow range of sure. quote unquote health to sure. begin with. Sure, absolutely. So, so I'm just going to say that. Especially, yeah. I'm also very sensitive when when people frame things as slim versus overweight, as yeah. good versus bad. Right. So basically, that study was like, hey, we found that versus the control group, the control group that or the group that was sleep deprived ate this many more calories. In the times per day, yep. in the time span of this experiment, which adds up to a weight gain of about 15 or 20 pounds a year. So if you are somebody who can relate to, oh, wow, I've gained 50 pounds in the last few years, you might, you know, you might go, hey, as part of something I want to look at, maybe am I sleeping enough? Also, that's basically what he's saying. I'm just going to say, yeah, you don't have to look at it. Totally. Exactly. Yeah. If you're a person who's going, I want to look at this health factor, he's just pointing out that this is yet another side effect of sleep yeah. deprivation. Yeah. Um, totally with you there. So uh, so as far as immune system goes and cancer, we have things called natural killer cells yep. in our, our bodies, which help fight tumor cells. Natural killer cells will effectively punch a hole in the outer surface of cancerous cells and inject a protein that can destroy the malignancy. Mm-hmm. They're, they're super fucking cool. They're like the secret service of the body. (laughs) What you want, therefore, is a virile set of these James Bond-like immune cells at all times. Mm -hmm. And that is precisely what you don't have when sleeping too little. Um, uh, So Dr. Michael Irwin at the University of California, Los Angeles, has performed landmark studies revealing just how quickly and comprehensively a brief dose of short sleep can affect your cancer-fighting immune cells. Examining healthy young men, Irwin demonstrated that a single night of four hours of sleep, such as going to bed at 3 a.m. and waking up at 7 a.m., swept away 70% of the natural killer cells circulating in the immune system Mm. relative to a full eight-hour night of sleep. So that is a dramatic state of immune deficiency Mm -hmm. to find yourself facing and it happens very quickly um, after just one bad night of sleep. So you could well imagine the state of your cancer-fighting immune armory after a week of short sleep, let alone months or years. So it's he talks a lot about how this is sleep is one of the best things we can possibly do for health. Our body, yeah. But as Especially a Western culture and and many many Eastern cultures, it's like we've we we're 
de- sleep deprivation as a, a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I only got five hours last night. So, I'm so oh, busy. You know, I'm, I'm so, so busy. tired. I'm mm-hmm. so busy. And if somebody came to you and was like, I drank a whole bottle of vodka before breakfast, we'd go, are you okay? Mm-hmm. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. We should be doing the same thing. If somebody's going, oh, no, I've only gotten six hours of sleep the last three nights, which might actually sound reasonable to us right now, we should all be going, are you okay? Because that's not okay. You're going to be in terrible health. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting. I think sleep habits are personal. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. They're personal, just like health habits are personal. Yes. And while there are some that we feel comfortable talking to people about, which, I I mean, in some senses, I think everybody's health is their own business and everybody should shut the fuck up about it. Yeah. You know, there are some that I just don't think we feel comfortable talking about because, you know... When you have a newborn, I'm not going to be like, God, you need to get more sleep. No, 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 no. But also, or like if you have two jobs to make life meet, it ends meet. I'm not going to be like, God, you need more sleep. So I feel like. The point he's trying to make is when people are wearing it as a badge of honor, we should be calling them out. Well, this is what I'm saying is that I think health is so individual and sleep is one of the areas where I think we don't feel comfortable talking to people about. Oh, really? Whereas, yeah. Okay. I don't, I would not feel comfortable saying this to judging somebody about their sleep. Mm. And basically commenting on somebody's health is a judgment. For sure. But people but, are comfortable saying you should eat more. You should eat less. You should work out more. You should work out less. Mm. You should wear things. You should like, right. You should get better shoes. You should. Right. You know what I mean? But I think like with sleep, we might be joking, like take a nap. But I think commenting on people's sleep, we might say about sleep hygiene, like what's your bedtime routine or if people ask for it. Yeah. But I think just kind of being like, how much do you sleep? You look tired is really No, no, tough. no. That's not that's that's not what I had in mind when I was saying that. What I mean is as a culture, we are going like, hey, like it's great. Only on six hours of sleep. Try the new Starbucks, blah, blah, blah. Like it's why are we aggrandizing this as a culture? As a culture, we should be going like, hey, sleep's super fucking important. Here's all the health risks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, that, I hear what you're That's saying. what I mean is like we should all be talking about, hey, it's not. If you can help it, if your situation allows, you really should be getting more sleep. Yeah, I just think that's I for whatever reason what's coming up for me is that like that's very personal and like it's too personal to say to somebody. Well, I guess we are all saying like, hey, having more than blank drink, drinks per week scientifically is terrible for your health. We should be talking about it as a culture. Yeah. I don't know. It's really weird. I don't know. We have two, yeah, you're having we're a, two minds yeah, on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I even think like saying to somebody, I think you're a binge drinker, a lot of people won't do it. No. You're again, you're talking about a personal conversation between people. I am talking about a cultural conversation. I think we do culturally talk about like binge drinking, but we don't but I guess so yeah. So what's yeah. the difference between like if we talk about it culturally, but then nobody does anything individually? Like I, what's the After reading this book, I completely agree with the author. Yeah. Like we need to stop if we want to experience the health benefits that sleep can provide and stop making people feel like they need to be on email at one in the morning and like really glorifying the CEO who only gets four hours of sleep and all, right, is right, always available. Right. Like if we could shift that conversation, we'd see less car accidents. We'd see better right, health. Right, right, we'd right. maybe see less Alzheimer's. You know what I mean? Right. Like that's what I'm saying. It's okay. like, yeah, but walking up to someone and being like, you look fucking tired. What are you doing? Well, Get more sleep. It's crazy. Yeah. So here, here's how my strategy, we're both strategy brains. So yeah. I, yours is working in one way. Mine's working in another. We changed it. We changed it. We changed our cultural thinking about drunk driving by having personal conversations right. and by legalizing it. Right. Like yeah. it, making well, it illegal. Ads in and society. Ads and by and, showing yeah. people having conversations and saying, I'll be the designated driver. I'm going to take your keys from you. Right. You can't drive. Right. Right. So just talking about it as it was bad didn't do enough. We had to have Mothers Against Drunk Driving come in and make yeah. people feel guilty about it and right. give people the words to talk to somebody individually. Sure. So you're definitely talking about a cultural level. I agree. I'm just thinking, that isn't enough we have to have like an uh, that's where it gets weird do you see what I'm saying it does and we had to get past that on like a drunk driving level yeah being because like, people's alcohol consumption it's like it's very yeah. personal yeah. right so that's that's where I'm thinking like ooh sure. that feels very uncomfortable but yes keep going sure um, and interesting that that feels the same to me interesting that it feels mm-hmm. pr- yeah mm-hmm. it is it is because I never thought like somebody coming up to me and being like you should really work out more feels way more egregious to me than somebody being like 
You should try getting more sleep. You'll feel great. Ooh, to me, they're both the same. That's so interesting. It's like, that's my body. I get it's to do body. with my yeah, body totally. what I want to do. Totally. Absolutely. Uh, but I guess educating en masse. Yes. Very different. Could be very And America beneficial. is founded on this idea of like constant movement. Yeah. You know, we moved, we created this whole continent by movement, movement, doing more, doing more, always be moving. Like totally. that's who we are. And it's it's interesting because it's antithetical because you actually lose out when <laughs> uh, when an employee gets sick three times a year or or becomes pre-diabetic, yeah. the t- cost to taxpayers is like $80,000 a patient. You know, yeah. it, it's so, if everybody were like, no, the office is shut down for two hours. Everyone go home and nap. Yeah, if we it could actually take a capitalist would, approach. Yes, it actually it, would, it would save change. money. You're and right. You'd have more creative employees. You're right. You'd have more productive employees with better emotional health. You wouldn't have so many problems in the workplace. Anyway, yeah, it's bananas. Nice diversion. So, Thank you. Th- great. So speaking of how to sleep better, what about sleeping pills? Here is what is really interesting about sleeping pills. While they may be able to help you fall asleep faster, Mm -hmm. they do not provide the same restorative immune benefits as natural sleep. They don't give you natural sleep, and neither does alcohol. Okay, so sleeping pills help you fall asleep, but they don't improve NREM or REM. Exactly. So basically, they sedate you. Mm -hmm. But sedation is not the same as as NREM and REM. Yes, your body is doing a different process, and it's the same with alcohol. And I'm really generalizing here. If you want to hear more about the specifics, definitely read this book. But you're not – like when you're under anesthesia – you're not getting You're your not brain's sleeping. not reacting in the same way, <laughs> that's right? Great, that's a great point. Yeah. So, um, uh, so which is why we have people on Ambien. Yes. Night driving. There's like yes. There's Ambien murders. Yes. There's like yeah. Yes, because you're Ambien not shopping. Well, and also when you are in true REM sleep, your body goes through sleep paralysis. Yeah. It's one of the reasons that it's really hard to wake someone who's in REM sleep, and only your eyes don't suffer. I mean, you're you're primary functions like breathing and your heart beating are still there. Yeah. But like if you pick up someone who's in true REM sleep, their body will be limp. That's why you can tell an yeah. infant is asleep because you pick up their hand and it drops. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's so cute. It's oh so my God, cute. That's so I cute. do love that. I love doing that to little kids. Yes. They're like little weekend at Bernie's. So if you... That's... <laughs> Really funny. I put Just sunglasses, sunglasses on. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a, and a members only jacket. Thank you. I love that they're called members only jackets, but everyone can have one. It's my favorite. It's what I'm getting it's you a for marketing Christmas. coup. We'll get a some merch coup. that's a members only jacket, but says "Go help yourself" on the back. Um, or fuck you, Gay Hendrix. Okay. If you compare natural deep sleep brainwave activity to that induced by modern day sleeping pills, such as Ambien or Lunesta, the electrical signature or quality is deficient. Yeah. The electrical type of sleep these drugs produce is lacking in the largest, deepest brainwaves. Yeah. Adding to this state of affairs are a number of unwanted side effects, including next day grogginess, daytime forgetfulness, performing actions at night of which you are not conscious, which we just talked about, like murdering. Uh, or at least have partial amnesia of in the morning. And erectile dysfunction. Thank you. Is that true? No, I just Okay, great. I love it. And butt stuff. And <laughs> slowed reaction times during the day that, that can impact motor skills such as driving, which then makes you sleepier yeah. at night, yeah. right? And, it's a cycle. And when you stop these, you tend to experience a severe bout of insomnia for a day or two. Which makes most people want to go right, right back, back to the sleeping yeah. pills. Yeah. So um, it's called rebound insomnia. Uh, That's my new Herald team name. Thank you. Um, so you have sort of a withdrawal process as well, and it's very unpleasant. So um, employees win financially when sleep times increase. Those who sleep more earn more money on average. Um, as economists Matthew Gibson and Jeffrey Schrader discovered when analyzing workers and their pay across the United States. they What I love is every time he makes a claim, it's immediately backed up by, by a reference, a study. Stam! Truly outrageous. Truly, truly, truly outrageous. <laughs> sleep! <Okay>. Sleep! <laughs> truly outra- truly necessary. Truly, truly, truly necessary. <laughs> okay, we could go all day. All day. Uh, they ex- these economists examine townships of very similar so- uh, socio-educational and professional standing within the same time zone, but at very far western and eastern edges of these zones that receive significantly different amounts of daylight hours. Mm-hmm. Workers in the far western locations obtained more sunlight later in the evening yes. and consequently went to bed an hour later on yes. average than those in the far eastern locations. Um, but all workers in both regions had to wake up at the same time each morning Sorry. since they were all in the same time zone and on the same schedule. Sorry, West Coast. So this is really 
really interesting when you're thinking about like, where do I want my kid to go to school? What what is the daylight impact of my sleep schedule for the rest of forever when I'm buying a, a house on the east side or the west side of the city? Do you know what I mean? Lisa's eyes are wide. I'm going to take that as to be she's interested. Um, Realtors everywhere are like, shut up, Misty. Totally. So basically, they found that an hour of extra sleep still returned significantly higher wages in the eastern locations, somewhere in the region of 4 to 5%. Now, you can also mitigate that by making sure you have, like, blackout curtains or things like that. Yes. So, and we will get into his 12 steps for better sleep. Don't Mm -hmm. worry. But think about, he talks about how a yearly raise, raise, the average in America, is 2.7%. Right. So, if by getting more sleep... You can earn four to five percent more by being a more engaged worker, et cetera. Would you not want to do that? No, no, absolutely not. That's right. And as you know, that can add up over a long period of time, sure, right? So, um, so here are his 12 tips for healthy sleep. And by the way, there is so much more to this book, I just cannot emphasize that enough. It's fascinating. Numero uno, stick to a sleep schedule. Go to bed and wake up at the same time each day. And we've all heard this. As creatures of habits, people have a hard time adjusting to changes in sleep patterns. Sleeping later on weekends won't fully make up for a lack of sleep during the week and will make it harder to wake up early on Monday morning. Set an alarm for bedtime. Often we set an alarm for when it's time to wake up, but fail to do so for when it's time to go to sleep. I have that. Yep. (laughs) Me too. If there's only one piece of advice you remember and take from these 12 steps, this should be it. Stick to a sleep schedule. As a really funny caveat, Mm -hmm. his hobby, because he actually hates alarm clocks Mm -hmm. because he he feels— The worst sound in the world. And he feels that if we truly are on a good circadian rhythm, we should be waking up around the same time every day, et cetera. So he collects, like, the worst alarm clocks he can find. Here are the three that he mentions. The first is one that is made up of a bunch of different geometric-shaped— blocks and shapes in holes and when it goes off it spits all the the shapes onto the floor and it will not stop beeping until you have put the shapes back in their place it's based on the game perfection it's an old game that's terrible um then there is another one it is a shredding alarm clock you put in a, a dollar bill or 10 or 20 and if you don't get up and turn it off within a certain amount of time it will shred your money <laughs> then, but like if you're in the middle of REM it's really hard that's right and then the third one is kind of the same idea but it is a Wi-Fi alarm clock that is hooked up to your bank account and it will donate a predetermined amount for every minute that you don't turn the alarm clock off to a political party that you hate <laughs> he's got some real negative consequences there. I love it so but I love the, this idea of like and all these blocks are on the floor and you're like oh god and that you're like can't get them created my anxiety it problem is in childhood so funny uh, okay number two numero dos exercise is great but not too late in the day <laughs> so he talks a lot about core body temperature and your mm-hmm. core body temperature drops two or three degrees when yes. you're ready for sleep and when it's hot I can't get good sleep in my bedroom right and that is why actually taking a hot bath before bed really relaxes you you might you think it out. raises you get out and then yes. your body temperature goes down yeah and it helps it helps just to release core body temperature and so you fall asleep more easily which yes. is very interesting and he kept saying bath but i feel like a shower would do it too yeah um that's also why splashing cold or warm water on your face at night helps because the cooling sensation right yes. so your hands your feet and your face are the most vascular yes so that's um, why when little kids are overheating take off their socks and shoes right mm-hmm. right exactly so exercise is great but not too late in the day try to exercise at least 30 minutes on most days but not later than two to three hours before your bedtime because You'll it can overheat. keep your yeah exactly your core body temperature up numero trace avoid caffeine Oops. and nicotine oh that is numero yep. trace mm-hmm Coffee, colas, certain teas, and chocolate contain the stimulant caffeine, and its effects can take as long as eight hours to wear off fully. Mm -hmm. Therefore, a cup of coffee in the late afternoon can make it hard for you to fall asleep at night. Nicotine is also a stimulant, often causing smokers to sleep only very lightly. In addition, smokers often wake up too early in the morning because of nicotine withdrawal. Mm -hmm. Number four, avoid alcoholic drinks before bed. And he's got a whole big chapter on alcohol. Having a nightcap or alcoholic beverage before you sleep may help you relax, but but a heavy use robs you of REM sleep, keeping you in the lighter stages of sleep. 
Heavy alcohol ingestion also may contribute to impairment in breathing at night. You also tend to wake up in the middle of the night when the effects of alcohol have worn off. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, this goes back to that sedation idea. So Mm -hmm. alcohol is a a depressant, but it sedates you. It doesn't let you go into REM sleep. So when it wears off, you come up. Yes. And so when I go out on a night that I have two or three drinks, I find that I am exhausted, but I wake up at like 7 a.m. and I cannot go back to sleep. So this is very true for me. Numeral qu- um, uh, cinco. A sink. Uh, avoid large meals and beverages late at night. A light snack is okay, but a large meal can cause indigestion, which interferes with sleep. Drinking too many fluids at night can cause frequent awakenings to urinate, which means you're just interrupting your own self from your NREM or your REM sleep. I mean, do you want to be hydrated or do you want to sleep? Sometimes well, it's a choice. It is. And I... I tend to drink an entire glass of water before I go to bed. I just like to be hydrated. It Mm -hmm. just is how my body works. And the moment I wake up in the morning. Numero six. If possible, avoid medications that delay or disrupt your sleep. Some commonly prescribed heart, blood pressure, or asthma medications, as well as some over-the-counter and herbal remedies for coughs, colds, or allergies can disrupt sleep patterns. If you have trouble sleeping, talk to your healthcare provider or pharmacist to see whether any drugs you're taking might be contributing to your insomnia and ask whether they can be taken at other times during the day or early in the evening. So he's not saying don't take them. Take them, dear God. Um, But we'll try and work with them. Numero ocho. Set. Oh, siete. siete. My bad. I'm, I'm speaking French. You're speaking Spanish. Don't take naps after 3 p.m. Naps can help make up for lost sleep, but late afternoon naps can make it harder to fall asleep at night. It's true. But again, the natural biphasal human sleep is to sleep a full eight hours, take a 30 or one hour min- 30 or minute or one hour nap. I clearly need one. Mm-hmm. And then go back to your eight hours. Um, numero no, is ocho. There more? No, ocho. numero ocho. Uh, relax before bed. Don't overschedule your day so that no time is left for unwinding. A relaxing activity such as reading or listening to music should be part of your bedtime ritual, which I love. Number nine, take a hot bath before bed, which we talked about. The drop in body temperature after getting out of the bath may help you feel sleepy, and the bath can help you relax and slow down so you're more ready to sleep. Numero diez. Uh, we, uh, dis, dark bedroom, cool bedroom, gadget-free bedroom. Mm-hmm. Get rid of anything in your bedroom that might distract you from sleep, such as noises, bright lights, an uncomfortable bed, or warm temperatures. You sleep better in the temperature if the temperature in the room is kept on the cool side. Um, I think it's between... Like 65 and 69 degrees, something like that. But most of us have our thermostats set set a little bit too high, like 71, 70, that sort of thing. For the environment. For the environment. Um, But you can also just take a blanket off or turn on a fan. Thank you. That's exactly right. Um, You sleep better if the temperature in the room is kept on the cool side. A TV, cell phone, or computer in the bedroom can be a distraction and deprive you of needed sleep. Having a comfortable mattress and pillow can help promote a good night's sleep. Individuals who have insomnia often watch the clock. Turn the clock's face out of view so you don't worry about the time while you're trying to fall asleep. And if you are having trouble sleeping, get up and go do something relaxing. Don't just stay in bed tossing and turning. Do something relaxing for 15 minutes until you feel like you're starting to fall asleep again. He also spends a great chunk of time talking about technology and blue LED screens Mm -hmm. and what they're doing to our sleep. But what I love is that at the end of the book, he doesn't just say, we can't do this. It should be abstinence from these things. He does this beautiful thing where he's like, I believe that technology can help us Mm -hmm. do this. So for instance, we've already got the warm light filter, Mm -hmm. right? The nighttime mode on Apple Mm -hmm. iPhones that comes on. I have some blue, blue ray uh, blockers. Yes. Blue light blockers. Mm -hmm. So you actually can use that blue led light to help you wake up in the morning, say in the winter. And then throughout, as it gets later in the day, you can start to adjust your settings so that it's warmer light or you're wearing those led blockers. Yeah. Like, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna be on my phone in bed, I just put those little sunglasses on, and then yeah, I don't get the LED exactly. light. Exactly. But also, he was talking about how we hopefully can eventually, if we have the means to do so, coordinate everything so that your your smartphone makes all the lights in your house dim as you should start getting ready for bed and it it makes sure that according to your core your optimal core temperature <laughs> that the thermostat goes down I love like, it I know he proposes like actual solutions meanwhile then the person who's an early riser marries a person who's late and the person who's late is like turn that fucking light back yeah up. that's exactly right and he was like imagine if you could have blue LED light in your car as you're driving to work to help you wake up yeah. or if you you know he proposes actual tangible solutions which yeah. is cool um 
Number 11 of 12. Once. Have the right sunlight exposure. Daylight is key to regulating daily sleep patterns. Try to get outside in natural sunlight for at least 30 minutes each day. If possible, wake up with the sun or use very bright lights in the morning. Sleep experts recommend that if you have problems falling asleep, you should get an hour of exposure to morning sunlight and turn down the lights before bedtime. Mm -hmm. And you can also try to avoid later afternoon sunlight. So he also talks a lot about elderly people and how they start to develop real problems sleeping. My mom is a night owl now. Yes, totally. Nana is too. And um, how if you make sure to wear sunglasses and hats if you're going outside later in the day will help your circadian rhythm mm-hmm. to to mm-hmm. not be thrown off. So he offers a lot of really practical advice. Uh, number 12. Don't, don't say. Oh, I guess I already said this. Don't lie in bed awake. If you find yourself still awake after <laughs> staying in bed for more than 20 minutes or if you are starting to feel anxious or worried, get up and do some relaxing activity until you feel sleepy. The anxiety of not being able to sleep can make it harder to fall asleep. So that is the most broad overview of why we sleep, unlocking the power of sleep and dreams by Matthew Walker, PhD. I really encourage anyone and everyone to listen to this book. It's long, but God, Steve West's voice is soothing. And you can also uh, learn more about Matthew Walker at his website, sleepdiplomat.com. And that'll be in the show notes. That'll be in the show notes. And this is available everywhere. Books. So Misty, what did this author get right? Everything. What did this author get wrong? Um, I guess he could have been specifically more inclusive because I, I do feel like he only touched on lower income families and in that sort of adolescent chapter. And I would have really liked to understand the difference between income and good sleep. Because if you can afford the world's best um, pillows, mattress, smart thermostat, any thermostat, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like if we're talking about um, someone who's sharing a home or a bedroom with five other people and they only have one fan and it's the summertime in Los Angeles, can we really be applying this, you know? Mm-hmm. But he's basically presenting the ideal situation. Nice. Yeah. Um, is it practical, Patty, or woo-woo? Oh, my God. It's so practical. Uh, who is this book perfect for? This book is perfect for anyone who wants to sleep better, mm-hmm. have better health without spending more money, right, live longer, and parents who are really frustrated by their teen sleeping schedules. I'm going to throw in legislators and lawmakers. Yes. Thank you. And and, and any, industry thought leaders. And school board members because this whole, like— Literally changing the start time of a school from 7.30 a.m. to 8.30 a.m., they saw across the board like a 100-plus increase in SAT scores. Yeah. Like that's yeah. huge. Like yeah. they went from like 600 – a respectable 630 average to like a 761 yeah. average. It's crazy. Um, who is this book terrible for? This book is um, terrible for people who are like, no, fuck that. I'm fine on five hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. I don't need anything. I'd like to just pop a sleeping pill and not worry about it. And honestly, it's terrible. It's probably terrible for people like me who are just so busy all the time. But he also talks about in the book, uh, he says – Without being combative, he wants to offer that people who have so much to do in the evening might have less to do if they got more sleep because they'd be more productive and focused during the day. Yeah, I think this book would also be hard for somebody who is who had three jobs to make ends meet. Yes. I think it would be yeah. like, well, go fuck yeah. yourself. Really, really tough for shift workers yeah. who just – that is a necessity and the truth of the situation for many people. You know what yeah, I mean? Immigrants who uh, are working under the table to clean yes. offices and hotels or in the middle of the night. Or if you're any kind of delivery person or God bless any any crafty person on set who's got to be on set at 4 a.m., mm-hmm. you know, to set up the omelet station for the crew, mm-hmm. anybody who runs a bakery. There's so – the whole world that just gets started at like midnight. You know, so, so, yeah, yeah, but understanding, understanding how your lifestyle can affect your health if it's within your control in any way Mm -hmm. and taking steps to maybe adjust to your own circadian rhythm. Maybe it's still shift work, but maybe you ask if you can take the evening shift instead of the early morning shift if you learn that you're an evening person, Yeah, you know, if you're able to. So, okay. 
Yeah. Well, uh, great. What do you want me to uh, and the listeners to try and tackle? Okay, so I have a, a homework thing for you, and I also want to share with you something that I immediately did from the book. Oh, yes, please. So um, I immediately started weaning off of caffeine. How when, did that go? Uh, well, I'm still in the process of weaning. Good As job. you know, I I have been deeper into my caffeine addiction than I've been in a really long time. Okay. Um, I love it. Can't okay. get enough. Yes, One injected yes. straight into my face. Yeah. Um, and so I started making half-calf pots of caffeine in the morning. And if I was craving another cup, I'd do a cup of decaf. And by the way, decaf still has 15 to 30% of the caffeine uh, of a normal cup. But I started doing that and then having only one cup of decaf. So there were mild headaches, but weaning really helped. And I immediately slept better mm-hmm. the three nights following. Mm-hmm. Immediately. I was shocked. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also considering uh, just putting a ban on alcohol for myself for a month and just seeing how that feels. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that was really exciting. So what I want you to do as a listener challenge is I want you to take an afternoon nap and just notice how you feel. Like, are you more functional, alert, present? Is it harder for you to go to sleep but before 3 p.m.? Mm-hmm. Is it harder for you to go to sleep that same night, et cetera? If, if you wanted to, you could read some lines for a shoot, an upcoming shoot or a scene, and see if you remember them better. Um, but you already don't really drink alcohol, and you're caffeine-free. So those. Naps. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I want everybody to try, which feels really scary. So right? just to, to be take clear, an afternoon take nap. an afternoon nap. It feels scary. If you're feeling like well, I work, maybe yeah. on a Saturday or a Sunday. Yeah. Um, so between noon and three, take a 30 minute nap. Yeah. Set an alarm. 30 minute to an hour. Mm-hmm. If, if it feels mm-hmm. scary, maybe just shoot for 30. And you yeah. don't have to sleep. Just lie down. Don't, yeah. make, don't, don't tell yourself you're going to sleep. Just oh. lie down and rest without your phone in a quiet, yeah. dark room. Yeah. And just see what happens. And just see, as just my, notice how you feel. As my aunt would always say to my cousin when she it would be nap time and she'd be like, I'm not tired. She'd say, just rest your eyes. Your yeah. eyes need rest. Just it's close true. your eyes. Well, I do think that you can sort of get – you uh, giving your brain a break in any way – Sounds like a great idea. Yeah, you can just do some breathing. So that's it. Let me know nice. if anybody tries any of these well, 12 I will tips. definitely take an afternoon nap, and I will let you know what I think. Thanks so much, everybody. And with that, life, life is, is abundant. Honks you. Honks you. Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less, was produced by Misty Stinnett, Lisa Linky, and Matt Sav. Our theme song was also written by Matt Sav. He's amazing. <laughs> do you want to get in touch? You do. Email us at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And you know you can also find us on the social medias, Instagram at gohelpyourselfpodcast, Twitter at podcast, or check out our website, gohelpyourselfpodcast.com. And if you liked our podcast, please subscribe, rate and review us on iTunes to help other people discover our show. It's really the least you can do. And why don't you tell all of your friends? Bye! Bye.